At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Reveal, Stories with Purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. Today, we're going to look at the parable in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 12 that we just watched. You know, we're in this series called Revealed as we are walking through different parables that Jesus teaches. Jesus is teaching, he uses simple stories to teach deep theological and biblical truths. And um, today we're going to see as Jesus is communicating about the kingdom of God, it can seem like the story or the parable is very, very simple. Right, it's, it's about a guy who throws a party and, and some people that were invited don't show up and then he goes off and invites a whole bunch of people. That seems like a very, very simple story. And if we aren't careful, we can take the simplicity of the message and miss the deeper meaning of what Jesus is trying to get to. And that's what I hope we're able to do together during our time. So let's pray and then we'll dive into God's word. Father, I'm so thankful for your word today. I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have to gather again. And Father, we know that there are still many of our church family uh, that are worshiping from home, and we pray that you have special blessings on them. Father, we know that there are some in our church family that are away uh, visiting family or on vacation. We pray, God, for safety for them. But today, God, as we are gathered here in this place, as we have this, these few moments to open up your word and read it, Father, I pray that you would speak deeply to our hearts. Encourage us and challenge us. In Jesus' name we pray. You know, in this time of, of, of quarantine that we've kind of just come through and in this time of new rhythms and new seasons, one of the things that I've missed most about uh, our church family and our weekly, weekly gatherings is not necessarily the gathering, but it's what happens afterwards. I don't, I don't know if, if you're like me, but one of my favorite times of the week is going out to eat after church on Sunday. How many of you guys are with me on that? I know all the kids in the room are like, yeah, we don't like going home. We want to go out to eat. And some of my most fruitful times of ministry have come after the worship service, gathering with people, whether it's in their homes or around a table at a restaurant, and just getting to know their story and getting to know what God's doing in their lives. And I've craved and missed that so much over the past couple months as we've been, been away. And, you know, as I think about that, that's a similar situation or similar scenario to what's taking place in Luke chapter uh, 14. Uh, Jesus... And the other religious leaders and the Pharisees have just spent the day going to the synagogue where they heard the word of God proclaimed and where uh, they spent time together. And now they're gathering together for the after church meal. And this is the, the stage that's set. And during this time, as Jesus is having this conversation, this meal with these religious leaders, especially there's someone important there because the ruler of the Pharisees is the one that has invited Jesus into his home after this time of celebrating God's word. And now they're sharing a meal. And we're going to get to what's behind all that in just a minute. But what's important to see is that as Jesus, if you go back earlier in chapter 14, as Jesus is engaging, he's giving them deeply challenging words. He's challenging their whole worldview and the way they see their religious lifestyle and how uh, their religious lifestyle and how it plays with inside the kingdom of God. And so Jesus has been challenging them and he challenges them even more. He wants them, he wants to challenge them today in this parable to reconsider 
who they assume is in the kingdom of God and how they get into the kingdom of God. And so now he's going to challenge the religious leaders, and I believe Jesus is going to challenge us too as well today, to think about the invitation that God has given us to the kingdom of God through the gospel. So there are two challenging things that I want us to see today, and then a follow-up question. The first thing that I want us to see from this passage is that we need to check your current invite list. Check your current invite list. You see, in verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 12, it says this. He also said to the man who had invited him. So Jesus is referring to the ruler of the Pharisees that has invited him. He says, when you give a banquet or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So right as Jesus is getting ready to teach the parable or share the parable, he utters this command, this command that is around this practice of weekly gathering after they go to a time of worship and hear God's word. Jesus is telling him to, to rethink the, his whole process for inviting people to the table. Now, what's taking place here is the picture is is this, what was taking place is these religious leaders would gather together on a weekly basis and they would strategize and they would communicate with each other and they would try to, for lack of a better word, this was kind of like the good old boys club of the Pharisees. Right, We understand the good old boys club, right? They're the movers and shakers. They're the guys that gather together to make things happen. And they're only there to look for power. They're only look there for prestige. They're only there for looking at promoting themselves. And so that's what this group was all about. This religious group was gathering together and they were ostracizing or excluding themselves from everyone else. And so Jesus announces, he says, instead of invitation to those that will those inviting people into your life that can do something for you he says instead consider inviting people into your life that can do nothing for you that bring nothing to the table but that you can bless so go invite the lame go invite the blind go invite those that can't do anything for themselves those are the people that you should be targeting those should be at this meal and what was really happening, the whole intention for these religious leaders to invite Jesus to the table on this day was not because they wanted to be hospitable, not because they wanted to, to live out this command. They wanted to gather Jesus close so they could size him up. They saw what Jesus was teaching and they saw what Jesus was doing and they were perplexed by it, but they also wanted to bring him close so they can get to know him and so they could size him up. And so what's happening in their culture is they have ostracized the rest of the world and they've only gathered together as their holy little huddle. And so many people were being left out. I remember when I was in eighth grade, it uh, came time for eighth grade graduation. We didn't have graduation parties at that time or graduation ceremonies, but there was one guy, his name was Louie. And he used to be one of my best friends at the beginning of middle school, but you know how relationships go in middle school. Uh, friends that start off may not end up friends as you, as you exit. Well, that was kind of what happened. 
Well, Louis had the biggest, best swimming pool in all the land. It was the nicest swimming pool. It had like lights and it had a diving board. It had a slide. It had like a blow up island in the middle of it. And I had got wind that Louis was inviting everyone over to his house after our last day of school. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I can't wait to go to Louis's house. I can't wait to get in that pool, soak my feet in there and have all kinds of fun with all my friends from school. Well, the days go on, and I hear more and more of my friends are getting invitation to Louie's party, and this person and this person, like even like the people that normally don't get invited to parties got invited to Louie's party, and I'm just sitting there waiting for my party invitation. And guess what? It never came. It never came. And that day, at, at, it was gonna take place right after we got out of school for that, that last half day. And I remember thinking to myself, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then the bell rings and school's out. And I go to the bus and Louis was riding a different bus. And I even saw him, we almost like linked eyes and there was no invitation. I'm like, if this is the time, this is the time. He doesn't give me the invitation. So I get on my bus and I go home. And the whole way home, I felt so left out. I felt unloved. I felt uncared for. And I was missing out on the greatest party an eighth grader ever could be a part of. I was not going to be in that swimming pool on that day. And that afternoon, I actually went home and I cried. It doesn't feel good to be left out, right? We've all been there. You've been invited. You, you haven't been invited to other things. And, and we know that, that sense of rejection that is there. And this is what Jesus is getting to. You see, Jesus is not just talking about a, a, a party or a, a place at the table. He's using this banquet as the, the image of the kingdom of God. And what he's saying is, is to the religious leaders, they've been so worried about their own religious life and creating a religious life around themselves, but they forgot about their mission. You see, God had placed these religious leaders inside of the synagogue and inside the, the nation of Israel so that they would be guides, so that people could come to God. But now these religious leaders were hindrances to people coming to God. This command that Jesus first starts off with is actually an indictment not only against the religious leaders, but the whole nation of Israel. You see, the, uh, the whole nation of Israel was promised that through you, the whole world would be blessed, right? Remember that promise that God gave Abraham? Through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Well, the nation of Israel had turned inward. The nation of Israel was only concerned about itself. And these religious leaders were the, the tip or the, the high point of hypocrisy within the whole nation. They had lost their mental focus. And I want us today to take a lesson from Jesus' command to the religious leaders. And I want to ask you this question. Have you lost your missional focus? Do you spend your life only seeking to invite those to the table that are like you? Do you surround your life with people that think like you, that act like you, that like the same things that you like? Or are you looking to invite people that are different than you? 
people that are marginalized by society, are you out there seeking to invite them into the table? Because if you're not, you sit at the table as a religious Pharisee today. Now that's not easy for us to hear. But the truth of the matter is, is that we know we are on mission with the Lord if we are out engaging others. You see, our work right now is the work of inviting. That's, that's our task. Our task is to be inviters to the kingdom of God, inviters into the gospel. And the reward comes later. If we get that mixed up, then we definitely lose missional focus, right? If we think that we're working for the reward right now in the power and the prestige and all of that, if we're working for that right now, we will get our reward now. But the reward is better later if we follow God's command and seek to invite others. Now, moving on to verse 15, we're going to see our second truth here is that we see how Jesus invites everybody. Look at me in verse 15. It says, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat the bread of the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time, as the time for the banquet came, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go and examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what uh, what you commanded me has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out of the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. Now we see what's taking place here is the master is God. And God has gone out to Israel, which are the people uh, that we see the invitation that has already gone out to. And what's crazy about this parable is that we see that the master sends out this invitation to specific people and they've already RSVP'd. They've already said, hey, we're coming. And then when time comes for them to actually come to the party, they come with a multitude of excuses. And think about how much that hurts the master. It says that he was very angry by this. The invitation went out to people that he wanted them to come and to celebrate and to experience his fellowship and experience his kindness and his hospitality and his joy. And they said, yeah, we want that. But when the time came for them to actually go, they said, ah, I'm too busy. I got other things to do. And so what happens is the master is very frustrated by that. But he says, you know what? I got this party. Go out. Tells the servant to go out and get the lame, get the poor, get the blind, get them. Bring them into the party. And guess what? He goes out and they come and there's still room. And so the master says, now go out and get everybody. Wherever you can find people, let them come. Let them come and let them celebrate. And so the invitation goes out to everyone and people show up and they party. And at the end, the master says, those that didn't come will be left out forever. This is deep 
deeply challenging. And it sounds just like a simple story, right? But it's deeply challenging because we need to understand who Jesus is inviting. See, the problem here is that these religious leaders were focused in on the earthly and they had focused in and lived their lives on things that are temporal. You see, they couldn't come to the invitation that the master was giving because of their property, because of their possessions, and because of their personal relationships. Those three things became elevated over being in, uh, coming into the kingdom. Kind of hits home, right? When you think about your own life, what gets in the way? I don't have time to pray because I've got too much property. I've got too much possessions. I've got too many personal relations. I don't have time to invite people to church because I've got too much. I've got to care for my property. I've got to care for my possessions. I've got to care for my personal relations. I don't have time to do that. See the dangers? We can allow our priorities to be all messed up and we miss out on the mission that God has given us. Now, I want, I want you to see the beauty of this invitation. How many of you guys have ever watched the movie Cinderella, the, the Disney version? Right, Cinderella, go ahead, raise your hand. It's, pro, it's okay, I, I've, I've seen it. I've got girls, I watch it. Right? So Cinderella, what happens in Cinderella? Right? There's a prince, his name is Prince Charming, and he throws a ball. Right, and what does he do? He invites all the maidens of the land. So without exclusion, every young maiden is invited to the party. So what do they do? They go to every single house and give them this royal declaration that says, you have been invited to the ball, now y'all come, right? The beautiful picture of this type of invitation that even Jesus is talking about with the invitation into the kingdom of God. All can come. Some people want to say that, that, that the Christian life or this faith that we have is so exclusive that, that we don't want to uh, invite people in, that we want to have our salvation and keep it to ourselves and we want to hide away in holy huddles. And that's what the world says about us, but that's not what the word of God says, right? Do you see? It's open to everyone. Anyone can come. But I love what Tim Keller says. He says, the whole beauty of the gospel is that it is the, it is inclusive, but it is exclusive. He says the inclusive exclusive, exclusivity, and I'll get that out in a minute, uh, of the gospel is amazing. It's inclusive to anyone that can come, anyone that should come, anyone that wants to come. The invitation goes out, but it's exclusive because you can only come to the party through Jesus. Right, that, that's, that's the rub, that's, that's the difference, that's the, the challenge here is that, that we need to understand that anyone can come, but they have to come through Jesus. There's only one way to enter into the party. And you may be sitting here and you're like, what, Jesus? Like I get the God thing, I understand that God loves me, I understand that God has a purpose for me, I understand that God is calling me and is giving me his word, but what is the deal with Jesus? What, what do I got to do with Jesus? Well, let me tell you what Jesus did and what makes him the only way. You see, God, the creator of the universe, loves you with a love you cannot understand, which is what we talked about last week. But the problem is, is that we, each one of us, have rejected the love of God. 
We've rejected the love of our heavenly father and said, God, I don't want your love. I don't want you to be the boss of me. I don't want you to tell me what to do. So I'm gonna go do my own thing. And the Bible calls that rebellion. He calls it sin. And that sin separates us from a relationship with the holy God. And there's nothing that we can do in ourselves to bridge that gulf back. You can't be good enough. You can't be smart enough. You can't have enough friends to earn your way back into God's love because you and I have sinned. And so there's this immeasurable gap between us and a holy God. And so many people try to to work it to make it better, but we can't. And so what God did is he sent his very own son, Jesus, who was fully God and fully man. So he was God, so he had a relationship with the God of the universe, but he was also man, so he identified with us. And so Jesus came to live the life that we couldn't. He lived in complete obedience to the Father every single step of the way, doing what he was supposed to do. And so his relationship with God was able to be um, continued out through his whole life. But Jesus came with the purpose to die on a cross. You see, the Bible tells us that sin has to be punished. That God just can't sit back and say, you know what, I know you're you're a rebel, it's okay, you go free. He would be an unjust God to do that. So what God has done is he used his son and allowed his son to go to a cross and on the cross, all of the sin was, of the world was placed on him, your sin and my sin. And so Jesus took on our sin and our shame because he was uh, sinless and when he took on our sin and shame, the wrath of God was poured out on him on the cross. Jesus died, went to a grave and God saw his sacrifice as enough and raised him back to life. And we must come to the place of where we believe in Jesus. So this invitation to come to God comes to you today through Jesus. The question is, what are you going to do about this? I've got here this really cool envelope, right? We love getting mail, right? I know as a kid I loved getting a mail, but I love getting a mail that had an invitation like to weddings and other things like that. And so today, what is standing before us is an invitation to the kingdom of God that comes through Jesus. This invitation comes to you. And maybe you've already come to the place of believing and receiving it and all that. But maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know what I need to do. I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've messed up and I want Jesus to save me of my sins. So this is what I want you to to, to teach you today, what to do with the invitation that has come to you. First, Repent. First, realize that you are a rebel against God and that you've messed up. I hope you feel the weight of that. And then repent of that. What that means is instead of going this direction, today you decide to turn. I'm gonna turn away from pursuing my own passions and my own lusts and my own desires. I'm gonna turn now to God through Jesus. You repent. The second is you believe. You believe, you put your trust and faith in the work of Jesus. Not something that you've done or not something that you're going to do, but you trust in what has already been done for you and that is through the sacrificial death of Jesus. Then the third thing that you do is you receive it. This invitation is not gonna be yours until you open it up and you take out the invitation, you take out the gift and you make it your own. I pray today that you have come to that place. 
I pray today that you have received, you've repented, you've believed, and you've received this gospel message. But what now do we do if we have already done that? What do we do with this invite? For many of us, we have taken this invite and we have opened it up, we've received it, we've experienced it, and our responsibility now is to share this message. This is the big idea for today, is that we are to share the open invitation into God's celebration. God has placed us here to be that uh, first line to go out there and to share, share with others about how they can experience the love of Jesus. So this gospel is given to us so that we may go and share it no matter who is around us. It doesn't matter if someone looks different than us. It doesn't matter if someone smells different than us. It doesn't matter if they make more or less money than us. It doesn't matter if they can help us in any way. We are called to share this gospel message of Jesus. So who needs to be invited to the party? This is the third point. And this is where I want to bring it home. Who needs to be invited? Or another way of saying it, who have you positioned in your life that you're seeking to intentionally invite into the kingdom of God? Do you know people that don't know Jesus yet? And are you positioning yourself so that you can share this gospel message. Maybe it's the person that hates you, or maybe it's the person that doesn't like you. Maybe it's the person that looks different than you. Maybe it's your neighbor next door that plays the music too loud, too late in the night. Or maybe it's the other neighbor across the way that parks in the, in the street where you normally park all the time. Those are the people that God has placed in our lives, not by accident, but God has littered our lives with people that need to know Jesus. And he has positioned us there so that we can take this invitation. But here's what many of us are guilty of. Remember the story of Cinderella? Remember she had two stepsisters and a stepmom? How does the story of Cinderella identify the sisters? Not just the stepsisters or stepmother. There's a number, a name in front of that. They are, you guys know, evil. Right? They're known as the evil stepsisters and the evil stepmother. Why? Because they refuse to give the invitation to Cinderella. The king wanted Cinderella at the ball. But the stepsister and the stepmother wouldn't allow it. They stood in the way of the open invitation of the king. And I want us to understand today, we better not be those evil stepsisters and stepmother. Because we will be evil in the sight of God. Jesus has died on the cross so that all can come to the Father. And God has placed us here now in this time, in this day, to give that open invitation to everyone. Let us not be evil. Let us be welcoming. Maybe today you've lost your missional focus. Maybe in the course of these past few months, you have just been trying to survive, or I don't know what's been going on, but let me tell you, church, it's time. This is the time. Government's not gonna fix our problem. 
Taking down the police are not gonna fix our problem. Curing racism is not gonna fix our problem. The only thing that's gonna fix the problem is the love of Jesus. Do you believe that today? We have the message that cures all of that. But some of us are sitting on the invitation and we're unwilling to share it. Oh God, forgive us. Forgive us. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to believe he is ready. If you will come to him, he's ready to give you salvation. If you're here today and you have questions about that, I'm gonna be outside after we get done. Come by and I'd love to share with you more how you can know Jesus. Or maybe today as a child, if you got the backside of that paper, if you're a child, go ahead and, and take that. I want you to think through maybe now and also as we sing our closing song, what I want you to think about is who is it in your life that you need to share the love of Jesus with? And I want you to write their names down. One of the things I challenge adults to do, so kids, you're writing those names down, is what is amazing is we all have five fingers on one hand, right? And what if, what if for each finger there was someone in your life that you knew that didn't know Jesus and you wanted to intentionally begin to build relationships with them? And what if you, in your mind, or actually with your hand, you could write their names down, you focused on five people, and each day you prayed for those five people. So you prayed for Steve, and you prayed for Linda, and you prayed for John, and you prayed for Ray, and you prayed for someone else. I can't think of my other fifth one right now. Um, but if you're praying for them, you're praying for them every single day. And then guess what? One of those is going to come to know the Lord, and then you're going to have space for another one. And then another one's going to come to know the Lord, and another one's going to come to know the Lord, and another one's going to come to the Lord. And your fingers are going to fill up, and people are going to be flipping on and off your fingers all the time because they're coming to know Jesus. So focus on five. Or maybe today you, your response is to just ask God for forgiveness. Maybe you've, fo you've, you've lost your missional focus and you've been distracted by your property. You've been distracted by your possessions and you've been distracted by personal relationships. Well, if that's you, just bring it to the foot of the cross and just say, Jesus, forgive me for making those more of a priority than making you a priority. And then give him your life and follow through with everything today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your love and we thank you for the challenging message that we heard today. I thank you, God, that there is a table that is big enough for the whole world, that everyone that has ever been given life or anyone that ever will be given life, there's room for them at the table and you desire for them to come. And Father, I pray that we would not be stingy. I pray, God, that we would not be the evil ones standing in the way of others coming, but that we would be open to share this love indiscriminately. Father, I pray for those that are here today that might not yet have received that invitation to the party. Father, I pray today that they would, that they would consider Christ and that they would surrender their lives to him so that he may forgive them of their sins. But God, for many of us, the challenge is to share. The challenge is to invite. The challenge is to go outside of ourselves and to care for the mission and ministry that you've given each one of us. 
May we go. And may we find that we see your kingdom expanding, not only in Warren, but to the ends of the earth. For God, you love all people. And you died for all people. Jesus, as we sing this song now, continue to move, continue to challenge us, and continue to allow us to follow you in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.